You're listening to the Fan Club Podcast, where two polar opposites discover each other's fandoms for the very first time. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Fan Club Podcast. My name is Sarah. This is Matthew. And today is episode 35, and we are joined by our special guests again today. Say hello. Hi, it's Frances again. And you got Kate. So today we are covering the last two episodes of Loki. What are your initial thoughts before we jump into the play-by-play? So, Frances last time said that episode three was her favorite. Uh, Episode five is my favorite. I think it has so many visuals in it that really do feed the people who know the Easter eggs. And what, I mean, ultimately, I think that the last scene in it is so important in the whole grand scheme of this whole thing that uh, really just is the reason why I love it so much. If we're talking about just episode five, that's kind of my baby in a way. I think five is like such an interesting episode. Like I know we've already mentioned that WandaVision is unlike anything else in the MCU. And um, I feel like episode five of Loki kind of is in that same vein it's unlike anywhere that we've seen so far in the mcu um i know at one point and it's nightmare fuel i'll have to find the the tweet and send it to you sarah kate heron the director of loki was like so i wanted the void to be like an apocalyptic uh wasteland that reminded you of the teletubbies and last year after this episode the teletubbies tweeted uh, tweeted to loki and said nice to meet you and it was like one of the Teletubbies with Loki horns. And was, I was like, this is nightmare fuel. I'm sorry. I, I feel like that, that the woman was too stunned to speak meme. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I love five just because of all the Easter eggs in it. There's a ton. Everything. There's something from every single comic arc. The dark ether ship, the Kree ship, all the way to a giant yellow jacket helmet. To yep. Thor. Voiced by Chris Hemsworth. The Thanos copter is the one I love. What I really appreciate about all of the MCU shows thus far is they are so different and also different from each other. It's not more of the same. Like, Falcon is a little bit, like, much more in the vein of, like, the regular MCU stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It definitely feels like the extension of its own. This TV show, these TV shows starting to succeed. You loving WandaVision, Matt loving Falcon Winter Soldier, and Francis loving Loki, like... I just think that that kind of shows that that's just like they have started to reach more people than they previously had. The one thing I would like to challenge of what you said is that Falcon Winter Soldier, when um, Wyatt Russell murders someone, feels nothing yeah. like any Marvel thing I've ever felt in my no, entire no. life. So I think that is the I, one exception. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's I what I actually think this I, felt more like Marvel. I think I say this in the finale of the of I, th- I think it's in the, the finale episode of Winter Soldier or Winter Soldier episodes. The things that John Walker as a character does is a slap in the face to Captain America mm-hmm. and the what Steve Rogers stood for as a person, um, and so that could not be farther from the the, the Captain America that we learned to know. Mm-hmm. I even make a how dare you stand where he stood reference in in that episode (laughs) nice um no but that's like the only thing i'd say is that this felt actually very marvely to me um because of all those easter eggs that matthew was saying and then at the same point like there if 
if you hadn't consumed this all really quick, Sarah, I think that you would have enjoyed this a little bit more only because you kind of, at least when you watch this episode by episode, and so eventually when you all catch up and you're watching something new, I imagine you will be priming yourself to be an Easter egg hunter as similar to someone who listens to a new Taylor Swift album and wants to hear her Easter eggs. It's that same level of like passion. Cause then you're already on the, you're in on the joke. I can't wait for in 2000 years when I'm finally watching things for the first time with everybody else. Um, that's kind of <laughs> how it feels like it's going to be forever. Um, you're pretty close. You're pretty close. There's a light at the end of the tunnel for you right now. Next year. We started in May of next year. We started this podcast in May. May third. Tra- the trajectory should be that we should be caught up with everybody else by May of twenty twenty three. Yes. If we don't miss a week. You'll get to Go see Quantum Mania in theaters probably. Yeah. Throg reaching for Mjolnir. And once the Throg version of Thor touches Mjolnir, he'll go back to being Thor. And he's just inches from it. They got Chris Hemsworth to be the voice of Throg. I think that's so funny. I think my favorite is Alligator Loki, to be honest. If we think about even just yeah. this opening scene. I an Alligator Loki stand. It was but such a did. moment where even people were like, wait, was that an alligator? Like, it was such a question mark still. And it was like, was it an Alligator Loki? Or is that a pet or something along those lines? And I just love how he has his own little swimming pool. Like, he is so important throughout this whole episode. Alligator Loki is a hero. I'm a big fan of in movies, and Disney's probably arguably the most famous for it, but um, the uh, quirky sidekicks. So the the Groots, the, the, you know. Groot is not a sidekick. Anyway, episode five of Loki is called Journey into Mystery. Which is the comic arc name of the one that's mainly about Thor and Loki. It opens with Loki waking up in the void mm. and he comes across is it Elias is what it's called yeah. yeah which straight up reminds me of the cave of wonders from aladdin Ooh, i hadn't thought about that it just remind reminded me of a, a less creepy um whatever that cloud monster's name is in never ending story i second the aladdin callback that was what i thought too i was like because that's the same shape into like it turns into like yeah that same shape and um it like it roars in a way that reminds me of the how dare you disturb my slumber i love the light eyes too and the eyes they were glowing eyes too that was my immediate thought was this is the cave of wonders like are they gonna have to go go into it to like get some treasure or something (laughs) they do but i mean we'll get there So I found a thing about the journey. So in 1962, Journey of Mysteries, episode 83, is how they introduced Thor. And they introduced Kid Loki also at the same time, where they went to the future with a tin pad to 2011. And that's when Kid Loki killed Thor, was in that arc also. Um, So Renslayer explains that the void is the point at the end of time in which everyone who is pruned basically is destined to go right no but i'm saying at the same like it's not renslayer is narrating this for loki in the void yeah it's at the same time he's she's explaining that in a way to sylvie who has her scenes are are intercut with each other yeah Yeah. Yeah. i should have clarified that sorry um we do see the avengers tower in it also yeah 
but under a different name of Q-E-N-G, which is owned by Kang the Conqueror in the yep. future. Kang bought it in an issue in from Tony Stark in a 2015 issue, and his company was Quang, I guess that's how you pronounce it, but Enterprises, called by Mr. Griffin, or Griffon. Yep. Um, and then Loki comes across all of the variants, including Alligator Loki. Or three of the variants. So we get classic Loki, Alligator Loki, and Kid Loki. And then boastful And then boastful. And boastful Loki. Is that the guy with the fur collar? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, it's yeah. black Loki, his, let's be honest, Tim. His, yeah, his right. Mjolnir is not really Mjolnir. It's like made out of like railroad ties. And we learned that the kid killed Thor. Yes. That was his next Which is why he became a variant. And if we go to Kid Loki's lair that is made up of like a bunch of like random arcade. stuff. It kind of looks like a bowling arcade. alley a little bit. Yeah, and it's like an arcade. In this, in this place, there's two that I remember. One was there was Rocks on Wine or Rocks Cart. Rocks Cart Wine. And there was a high C with Ghostbusters on it from the 1980s. Which is a real true drink that we all miss that actually was born, if you were actually born around that time. It yeah, was, we were born it was in, it was definitely in Lunchables at some point, I feel like. Yeah. It went through, it went through, like, it went, it was either still on the shelves in, like, dollar stores, so if you were, like, still broke and all that stuff, you found it, but it was, a, it's a one that people love. So there's a scene with Renslayer and Sylvie, and she, Renslayer's having Miss um, Minutes pull up some archives, this is where I started kind of, I was like, so Miss Minutes does whoever is kind of telling her what to do. He who remains is... She's a little evil. Are all of the little characters evil to you? No, no, no. Yoda's, I mean, baby Yoda's evil, just so everyone remembers from the last episode. He's evil because he literally eats... No, yeah, he literally eats a, almost the entirety of an entire generation of, or last of their kind, the babies. He just decides to eat them like eggs, okay? Come on. He's a growing boy and Mando doesn't feed him. <laughs> He's not a growing boy. Anywho, He's 50 years old. Miss Minutes, though, I mean, it is the fact that she is prone to lying, actually. That is the thing right. to me where it's like, how can we trust her if she has this, she kind of gives off that whole, like, like, if you've ever seen, like, Get Out, right? <laughs> like, she has that aspect to her that's almost too nice, where it's just, like, something's wrong here. Like, how can we trust this whole thing if Miss Minutes is not rooted in evil? Because she's like, hi, y'all, like, that kind of thing. Like, oh, I'm so disarming. And it's like, no, you're not. You are trying to manipulate all of us to think you are, but you're really running this whole show. So my big takeaway in this scene specifically, one is that... Miss Minutes may be evil, <laughs> but um, but also that Renslayer is like stalling to try. Yeah, to, I like... I don't think she's in as in the dark as she pretends to be. I feel like she knows um, exactly what she's doing and who she reports to. I do think there are some some aspects of her job that are unclear because the she's not at the top, and the person at the top's not going to tell everyone everything because they need to still be able to manipulate people but I think she knows a lot more than she lets on. I think she is he who remains his daughter, in my honest opinion. Oh! Who? I, that was, 
absolutely not what I thought you were going to Red say. Slayer, I think, is his daughter. I like it, though. I mean, he's Ree Richards' son, right? Or great-grandson or something. So he has uh, the genetic yeah. ability Mr. to reproduce, Ree. probably, and create an equally... Why does sound like a familiar name? Mr. Fantastic. Oh, is that... um? What's his face? John Krasinski? Isn't he it's John Krasinski, yes, it is. <laughs> I just know that uh, Gugu Mbatha-Ra, I believe is how you say her name, the actress playing Ravona Renslayer, she is yeah. so, so good. Like, okay, you, so I did not make her, but you also hate her. You also hate I did not her. make the connection until I saw the um, credits on one, I can't remember which Loki episode that it is, but Gugu is um the feather duster in beauty and the beast yes the live action yeah i did not make that connection sylvie does the uh spanish dubbing whoa that's cool and speaking of sylvie she prunes herself because she realizes that excuse me that they're stalling right yeah well and she probably figures they're gonna prune her anyway so she might as well have some agency what were you telling me, Francis, the other day about um, her costume? Oh my God! So the costume director, costume producer, uh, d- designer—that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, I believe her name is Christine Wada. She um, one made all these incredible costumes for the entire show, but uh, Sophia Di Martino, who plays Sylvie, um, had given birth a couple of weeks before they started filming and was still breastfeeding. And so instead, like, obviously you can see her costume is very layered. So in the, in the main, like, cat suit layer, um, Christine Wada put zippers over the chest so that Sophia Martino didn't have to, like, completely get out of this entire costume to pump while she was on set. And so she would just That's have so to take cheap. off kind of, like, it, she just had to take off, like, the top vest part and then she could have access, easy access to do her motherly duties, which is just like such a cool thing to do. And it like, I mean, we've all, you know, at this point, we've all seen the Marvel movies. These costumes are very detailed and and specific. Okay. And so for a, a costume designer to take that into account for the lead actress of the show and say, you know what, we're yeah. going to make this really easy on you because you're already doing double duty as a working actress and a mom, we're going to make this, you know, 10 times easier for you when you need to go pump and, and take your breaks. You know, all you have to do is take the, the vest off. You don't have to get out of this entire costume. And I just like, that's one of the coolest things that I learned from the show. And, you know, I think everyone would hope that if you were an actor, you would have a costume designer that would take that into account for you. Um, I guess, with Marvel's budget, they, they'd be stupid not to. Right. <laughs> I mean, they could always recast, though, right? Like, it, she was an unknown going into this for the most part. Like, not in at least Marvel world. So I, it also makes it where that's also respect for the character. And I think in the, they, she was pregnant after this season, right? Yeah, it, in the meantime, and she's, so, she's had another child. <laughs> And so, but it's also like they knew that they weren't going to be able to start recording the second season. Sorry if this is a spoiler. I guess we're in the last two episodes. So yeah, she somehow makes it into the last, the next season. Um, and so they they've called out though that they're going to wait for her to or 
at the time, they were going to wait and start filming afterwards. Loki comes out of the lair to find all of the various variants. Including President Loki, who is easily the most funny. And one yeah, of the hottest. Yeah, so I, literally the only frame of reference that I had at all for this entire show is one random screenshot of President Loki. Everyone and has I that know, one. I didn't know, obviously I didn't know what it was, but I was like, okay, odd costume choice. I'm guessing that's the Loki who won in 2012, I'm guessing. That's what I've heard oh. from podcasts. Okay. Because that would make sense. Yep. That would be a Nexus event, yes. The important thing, though, is that he still also got pruned. And you just yeah. think about this whole thing. The concept is is that, like, they only pruned the person that didn't follow the rules and, like, didn't pull the number and all that kind of stuff. So, like, <clears throat> kind of just wonder that kind of aspect of this whole thing, too. President Loki throwing a hissy fit for being told to do something. Yeah. I, I could see President Loki saying, no, I'm a president. I'm not doing it as you're told and just gets burned right there. I, yeah. I don't know how Alligator Loki was supposed to pull a number, to be honest. That's the one I want to know. He, he can get on his hind legs. I've seen some alligators, like, climb up walls like that. Okay, Alligator Loki reminds me so much. I had a family, a really close family friend. She, I call her my aunt. She's not actually my aunt, but she is my Aunt Mary for all intents and purposes. Um, she, when I was a kid, she had a pet alligator named oh Kitty. Gosh. Her name was Kitty. That thing freaked me the hell out, though. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, you mean the normal, natural reaction to an alligator as a pet? Well, it wasn't, it was like a small one. It was like, it was maybe like two feet long, but still, like. It's an alligator. It they all start out small. I don't know. What, I never knew what happened to that thing. I never knew what happened to Kitty. Uh, do you still know who, where Ant is? Because maybe your yes. aunt, did Kitty, Kitty have a. Moment like what happens they to live, President Loki ironically, later? Ironically, they moved to Florida recently, so. She set Kitty free to be with her people. <laughs> but I do like how the one Loki who killed Thor was their leader. I do like mm -hmm. that. I do like that little subtle thing. And he had a throne. Yeah. but he's too He had a throne in the... I know, in the bowling alley, he had a throne. Mm -hmm. Um... So Sylvie just, wakes up I, in the void. Go ahead. Uh, wait, I, I don't know if this happens after or before Sylvie wakes up in the void. I also like how they all turn on President Loki. I don't know. It all happens. It was like right around the same yeah. time. It's right around the same time. I just know that pres they see President Loki. That might be when Sylvie wakes up in the void. So, yeah, we can get to And it. then Elias is destroying everything. And then we see Mobius. And he's driving a vehicle that looks suspiciously like the Pizza Planet truck from Pixar. Yes, I agree hundred percent. I noticed that yesterday when I was rewatching it. I was like, "Oh my god, that's the Pizza Planet truck." <laughs> I thought I was insane for saying that. No, it that's absolutely felt like that because it was like that old-fashioned again, like seventies, eighties, like boxy-ish car that looks like it's probably not that safe to drive, which is exactly what a teenager from Pizza Planet I was going to say, but it's also pizza. exactly what a teenager is driving in high school. Yeah. <laughs> Except this truck has um, a giant pizza slice on it, not the little rocket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Logo but the logo could have changed over time. This is true. But it is owned by Disney. So I'm not... It's all I'm variants. Really... I mean, like, it's a variant of the car! Oh, that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> 
I think Pizza Planet um, renamed themselves at some point to just Pizza, and that was the Nexus event, so they had to zap the car. I like this theory. I'm on board. Um, so this is where we get the scene between all of the, the various Lokis. Um, I have a note that is referring to Loki with the fur, and it just makes me think of um, low <laughs> I just love how over our Loki is. He's over all of the other Loki's bullshit. Sorry, Grandma. Bullcrap. Um, while they're all fighting and turning on President Loki, our Loki's like in the corner with his arms crossed, like sighing. He's rolling his eyes. He's like, oh my God, this is what Thor feels like. This is so he's doing. He's doing Matt Smith in House of the Dragon, just leaning. That's what his role is right now as Damon. He's a leaner. leaner. Um, So basically we learn that um, Loki with the fur. um, Betrayed. Betrayed them. King Loki. No, I'm just calling him Ted Loki. Kid Loki? Kid Loki. I'm not calling him Kid Loki. He's Kid Loki. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a fight sequence. Where we have, like, a Robin Hood Loki, a Loki from, like, Mongolia. We have a Samurai Loki. Every Loki imaginable. And then there's this big, like, it almost looks like a naval ship of some kind. Mm -hmm. That just, like, appears out of nowhere and Elias eats it. So, yeah. I think Kid Loki can track when... He, I think he has his own temp pad where he can track when things are going to come. So, where did that naval ship come from, is my point. Some random place. Well, I think it came from the same place as a Pizza Planet truck. I think that we just learned that inanimate objects can also be pruned. That was actually supposed to be in the original movie Battleship. That was the ship. Interesting. Or, I mean... Oh, I think everything that gets pruned with the um, yellow grenades. Whatever the yellow grenade yeah. touches. When the timeline's reset. Yellow grenades. Oh, yeah. The, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Oh. Because that's the same energy as their pruning sticks. Hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. it gets rid of everything that's not supposed to be there. So you think, that makes like... Sense. Every time that there's, you know, when the when the hunters, like, set those little devices whatever, down, whatever is around them gets sent to the void, then? Whatever is part of the Nexus event. Yep. It's what caused to those people? They were probably I don't know, but the, the people that Loki was talking to in the first episode probably got sent there. Well, or, like, the Titanic. No, not the people. The people didn't get sent. Loki was the only one that got sent. Yeah, I think it's it's the root cause. The yellow grenade thing went off. I think it's the root cause, like you're saying. So if like the Titanic missed the iceberg, the Titanic would be sent, but not the people. No, everything is it supposed to hit the iceberg? The people were there on the naval ship. Every everything would get sent. I don't remember the people. Everything would get sent. Whatever is part of the nexus, or whatever was part of the nexus event. Yeah. So that's why, like the. The, I don't remember Because you can went. see there's a shot of like a group of guys like trying to run, trying to get off the ship. Yeah. yeah. Like, and they, they don't make it. Maybe the ship was supposed to explode or something, but didn't. And <laughs> it looks like it just eats people. It doesn't eat objects. Yeah. Is what it looks like. Uh, Editing Sarah here. So this episode is full of little Easter eggs, both real and fictional. Um, and one of those being this naval ship that is 
USS Eldridge. Um, basically, USS Eldridge is the it's a World War II destroyer ship built to escort various naval convoys through the Mediterranean. It is at the center of a UFO ho hoax known as the Philadelphia Experiment. Um, I don't have the time to divulge every bit of information about the Philadelphia Experiment, but just give it a little Google. It's quite interesting. Um, but yeah, so that's what that ship basically is. Um, so then Sylvia and Mobius find them in the Pizza Planet truck. Um, yeah, Sylvia and Mobius are having like a heart to heart in the Pizza Planet truck. And mm -hmm. the conversation they're having is like giving me Harry Potter for the greater good vibes. And I don't like for it. Sure. <laughs> well, I think they're both at the point where they now both trust Loki. And so it's the whole idea of like whatever he has to do or whatever y'all have to do, it's going to have to be the only option. Loki is so relieved to see both Sylvie and Mobius and it's so cute. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about though, when Sylvie first arrives is the first time she enchants the Lyoth a little bit mm -hmm. before she yeah. meets up with Mobius. That was where she kind of figured out that there is something to the Lyoth that um, a Loki could in fact try to control. And I think that's also where that heart to heart kind of conversation comes into play a lot is like, we have to somehow, this, this beast can be tamed. We just need to figure out what that looks like. Um, so she decides that she's going to enchant Elias to try to like stop it from destroying everything, I guess. And for another Disney reference, I when I was rewatching, I got like Wendy and the Lost Boys vibes from Sylvie and all the Lokis. I just was like, this is Wendy and the Lost Boys. They're in Neverland, and she's like, y'all gotta grow. You can't just kill Elias. You gotta, you can't paper cut it to death. You got to do something smarter than that. One of my favorite stories, oh. and I share a birthday with J.M. Barry, the author of Peter Pan, so. I always love seeing who I share a birthday with. I share a birthday with Evan Rachel Wood, which is awesome. Oh. And Queen Elizabeth I, I, oh. I share a birthday with Charlie Sheen. Lucky me. <laughs> Winning! <laughs> do you share a birthday with anyone? I share a birthday with Tina Fey. Tina Fey? Oh. That's cool. I share a birthday with Tina Fey. Uh, George Strait. Oh, I also share a birthday with Easy e the guy from um, NWA. Uh, B-15 is locked in a cell for being disloyal, and we get this really sweet scene between Loki and Sylvie. And what is their ship's name, Francis? Silky, and this is one of my favorite scenes of the whole show, and it's so cute. They're like sweet little babies with crushes. I love it. They're so cute. He, he magic the little blanket. And then she, like, says something about, like, how her outfit's really uncomfortable. And I'm like, why can't you just magic a new one? Damn, she just, like, ruined my whole Tonks vibe that we said in the last episode about the haircut. There's so much character development in this scene for Loki. And I love it. On both sides. Both of them. Yeah. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. Um, one of the reasons that I, like, love Loki and Sylvie so much is um, I read an article that came out after the finale last year. And it's about like the romantically inexperienced trope trope. And I myself am um, chronically single and romantically inexperienced and in that I haven't had like a long-term serious partner. And so I'll, I'll send you the link for this article, but it's, it's talking about how it ultimately doesn't Loki doesn't portray Sylvie. Who's the romantically inexperienced character as like a broken character, like most media does with a romantically inexperienced character um 
Sylvie is really strong and she's desirable and she is independent and um, it's really great article. And I was like, yes. Um, One of the, one of my favorite quotes is Sylvie's characterization and Loki provides a fresh take on the matter. She's the complete opposite of naive and it is actually her world weariness that's standing between her and a healthy relationship with another person. And even though she may be awkward when it comes to talking about her feelings, she is completely confident and capable when it comes to survival skills and can certainly hold her own in a sword fight. And so it's turning a very uh, common trope on its head by, um, you know, Loki, Loki and Sylvie are both romantically inexperienced, but they're both portrayed as these really strong, independent characters who, while they both want to have that experience, um, they they don't know how and it but it's not seen as a defect and I think that's a really cool take on that trope oh for sure I really like how this show could really go harder in the romance department if they wanted to um and I really kind of appreciated that this show was not yes the romance is there obviously but it's not the focus though it's not the focus and I really like I don't I have nothing against um I have nothing against like romance subplots, but it's just sometimes shows can get a little bogged down by right. romantic relationships. Um, and I, I, I don't think it's entirely necessary to any of these characters really, but it is a nice, it's nice to get sprinklings of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's also just in general, I think the thing that they're developing is Loki's abilities to develop relationships with anyone because I think that kind of leads us into like the next scene, which honestly was the most one that resonated with me the most, is classic Loki looks ridiculous, right? Everyone can agree his costume is absolutely ridiculous, and everyone else he has like said a that Halloween costume. He does absolutely. It's the same thing as Wandavision and Vision wearing the old fashioned costumes. Top, but also right, like, but he just looks. He's he's old, obviously. He's also at the same time he's wearing this really dorky outfit um but he's also the only loki that showed up for them also and that is a huge thing to see that like i mean the fact that they created a loki community in itself kind of tells you that this is uh, possible to develop but that loyalty towards like this impossible challenge and i feel like all of them always trying to pursue Milgard and take over the world and all those kinds of things kind of echoes this whole idea of chasing the impossible and i think that that's kind of what we see is like in the in a way they've made this kind of pack together in this under this blanket of hey we're going to be in this together no matter what happens right and like they're on each other's side but then all of a sudden friendship still shows up like we already saw mobius show up at one point and he has a time pad and all that stuff and then at the same time we've seen this community being created like they are solo people but then all of a sudden we're seeing them in this integrated environment where now they are a community who is going to pursue this and keep true still to their values. Like, I think while this guy is able to create an Asgard, right, that completely distracts the Eliath and gives them the opportunity to do this, like, the reality is, is, like, he looks like the most feeble of all these Lokis, and yet he is easily the most powerful in that moment. Like, if he probably would have grabbed Goliath, he would have been fine. They could have probably made it in without him creating this Asgard. They didn't really know what they were going to do, but yeah. And so, like, I just think that this whole thing is this whole idea of, like, community kind of is why this episode to me is also, again, so cool. Because it's, like, 
all these different personalities that are working towards this common good and finding out that like if you work together as cliche as it sounds, you're not alone. You're not by yourself, you know? It is a little bit of a found family kind of situation as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, yeah. I really love, uh, I have to mention the little peacock bird things. Yeah, what are those? They're, yeah, they, they were very, um, things that would appear in Newt Scamander's suitcase to me. Yes, 100%. Or it's the things that you'll see around a watering hole for a lion, like an actual lion is they always have those little birds around the watering hole, too, that somehow are able to be symbiotic relationships. I just love that they don't really have heads. They just have little balls, mm-hmm. like, that are little floating balls for heads. He decides to stay with Sylvie, no matter what, which is really sweet. And then Kid Loki gives him his dagger. Or gives him a dagger. He's, I think that was his from his world, from his universe. He says, Dagger can be set on fire, and Loki's never could do that. Um, and he conjures, like, a little, um, like, holster for his dagger. Little suspenders. Makes him, makes him hotter, let's be real. I can't say I disagree. <laughs> Loki has different powers, it looks like. Like, Loki, like, our Loki can change his appearance. Which we've seen him do when he turned himself into Odin and Captain America and a bunch of other people. But Sylvie is more, like, controlling other people while classic Loki can conjure up images, it looks like. Or I, I still think that there's a possibility that they could all have all of them. No, but I just think that they are each put into a situation and they develop the skill based off of which situation they're, they're put into. Because Sylvie's able to also do the imagery of where changing her personality into somebody else. And then I actually think that uh, I think that they can probably conjure up a whole realities if they needed to. They, I just think that, again, they are only I think that's kind of the, the question, right? Yeah, they only need is, to use their powers that they know that they have. And they don't develop the other ones because they don't know to, that they should know about those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that there's a possibility that they could be the most powerful, like, kind of sorcerer, enchantress, whatever, in the entire MCU. I just think that they it's kind of like, uh, what's her name? Jean Grey doesn't really realize how strong she is, or Wanda doesn't realize how strong she is until forced to address that stuff. I think Jean Grey is the strongest being in the Marvel Universe. Is that Sophie Turner's character? She is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, with Phoenix Force. Yeah, but they've she's they've confirmed in the in the MCU proper Captain Marvel uh, is is the strongest Avenger. Yeah, we really didn't like Captain Marvel. <laughs> I am upset about that. <laughs> so Mobius yep. goes back to the the TVA. They have to make a distraction. So classic Loki comes in and conjures Asgard. And then Elias eats it. Is is this going to be the last oh, shot we ever get of Asgard as we know it? Because I feel like it might yes. be. I realized that Today. when I was watching this. Yeah, it is. I mean, we see... Because we see it destroyed Ag- in Ragnarok. Yeah. But Ragnarok's before this, isn't it? No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so this would be the uh, last Rag- This would be the last shot of Asgard. Is that because we've already seen Ragnarok in a timeline... Then yeah. this is the last shot of Asgard because New Asgard does not looks any does not look anything like Asgard. I mean, Asgard's not a place; it's a person. Aww. And then so um, their magic destroys Elias, 
Or and it doesn't destroy, it opens the portal. It opens, yeah. It. And the smoke clears and reveals some kind of building, and that's the end of season five, episode five. In, uh, in some of the previous scenes, you can actually see that castle at the end of that, too. They're, they have found it frozen in frames that you can see a shape of it. So it wasn't some, it was something that they'd actually called out early on as like there is something in that life that they didn't even have to go into the details. Like that was an Easter egg a lot of people found. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, also in this, this scene is where you see, or right before this is where you see the dark ether ship. You the dark see, elf? No. Uh, or is it like ship. the donut ship? Ronin's, Ronin's ship. The one that looks like a bird? Um, we see a giant Ant-Man helmet, or a giant wasp, or wasp. yellow jacket helmet, yeah. and a living tribunal head, which in the comics, the living tribunals protect, uh, protect the timeline. So they will kill people who try to protect the timeline that's not the TVA, also, apparently. Good call out. I think that's a, I think with the living tribunals, that will be an interesting thing if they do explore that I mean, we've been introduced to the Celestials now with Eternals. I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't. Not my movie. Yeah, not my movie. That was the only good thing. That was the only good thing in Eternals, in my opinion, was the Celestials that they. Except for they don't explain them. They don't explain the one that's in the middle of the ocean. Um, Episode six is called "For All Time and Always." I I love. Which makes you think of Snape, right? Uh-huh, that's exactly why I whispered it. <laughs> in real time between these between episodes 5 and 6, there was like so much uncertain uncertainty have, heading into it. Um and it was like it was it was in a way it was kind of like the Mephisto madness from WandaVision because it was like how can they end this show? We've got one episode left. They're not going to bring in Kang with one episode left. That'd be way you know, that breaks all the storytelling rules, you know, since the beginning of the On a TV time. show, too? Yeah. yeah. They were like, There's, we know we're getting Kang and, and Ant-Man. Like, it would make sense, but it would break every storytelling rule. Like, it, they just, there's no way they can do this. Um, and and they, did they did it. They broke all the well, storytelling and it was, rules. But it was also the one that all the breadcrumbs... It was, all, it was the one that all the breadcrumbs did point to. Like, if, like, you look at the Easter eggs, like... They called out King the Conqueror as who they thought was going to be the big bad that was going to be at the end of this whole thing. But at the same point, they were like, "This, the shows, WandaVision did pretty well, successfully, or successful. Um, Falcon Winter Soldier had a little bit less positive response to it, actually, just yeah. because it, it kind of is more of a circular timeline, like nothing truly happens in it. And yeah. the concept of then, and kind of WandaVision too, nothing truly really happened in it that much, right? The concept of introducing a uh, phase five and six big bad in a TV show on Disney Plus behind a paywall, forcing people to look at this was like something that everyone would like, was like, everything seems to point to Kang, everything seems to point to Kang, yeah. but why would Kang be in a TV show in the last episode where yeah. we don't even really know him? Well, we really don't even well, see the true evil Kang. We see the one that's good. That's the thing. Only because we don't know that there are evil ones. I find yeah, this conversation really interesting because, like, his mom is, like, a big MCU fan, but she hasn't oh. seen any of the Disney Plus shows. Exactly. And, but I feel like she's going to have to mm-hmm. because of uh, the wait, future movies. 
That's like the newest. This is the only one. The newest discussion is, are you going to have to see the TV shows to start enjoying the movies? And I think Loki is like the real. I think Loki's the only one. His mom is also in the camp of like, it should have ended with Endgame. Uh, I, uh, Paul believed that, so my boyfriend Paul, he says he could have died after Endgame and been happy. Just basically, he felt like that had a, a good enough ending for him to have he literally been okay jokes, with it. He literally jokes every time a new trailer comes out, and he's like, I can't die yet. <laughs> I gotta know what happened. Yeah, that's that's his new thing. It's like, he, was, he would have been fine. But uh, the whole thing is, is like I will say that WandaVision, I do think, was homework prior to going and seeing Multiverse of Madness. Otherwise, you won't yeah. understand most of the some of the motivations of characters in that um but at the same time i would say that loki seeing he who remains which happens in the first part of this is imperative for the rest of the phases not to mention kevin feige has confirmed that sylvie and loki are the ones who break break the sacred timeline and open the multiverse so i think so we can blame sylvie and loki for everything that's going to happen going forward Yes, we can break. We can blame them. It goes back to that quote that Matt, you, Matthew, you were saying about uh, Miss Minutes in that first quote is another multi-dimensional war. Yeah. That yeah, is what we're heading towards. That um, he who remains Kang was the last living person, I think, of this universe, and so he created the TVA to protect it so that there wouldn't be another one. So. The and logo for this episode, it suddenly has sound. It's, it's all the different, so uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was really, uh, really it's good. Captain America's dance with Peggy. Um, and it goes through like all these big quotes it, from the MCU to date. And it yeah. ends, it like ends with the vision quote from WandaVision. What is love? What is grief? If not love persevering. And it's just like, I get yeah. chills every time I watch this episode because of this part. But yeah. he who remains created Miss Minutes. Is Miss Minutes still uh, is still is she still so innocent for you? Um, you're starting to are convince you st- me. So, are you still Ms. a stan? I don't think Ms. I do love her. I think she's cute. I don't think Miss <laughs> Minutes is evil. Technically, I don't think she is because she's just doing what her creator is telling her to do. Just wait, I have a note. I have a note. Her in a creator? Her creator is, who p- puts her in the TVA to, like, say these very uh, maniacal-sounding videos that are very dark in actual purpose. Then she says, she's announcing the fact that there's a multidimensional war that she's preventing. Uh, like I said, she acts so, like she's got all these files just so innocently. So, um... He just talks through her. We basically are told about, like, the Big Bang and the Citadel at the end of time, which, first of all, Citadel is not a word I've, I've ever heard outside of Game of Thrones. It's also a university in South Carolina that is a military base, so. I just, I've never heard of that word outside of Game of Thrones. It's basically, a word that they use all like the time. Basically, it just means, like, fortress. Fortress. And I'm, yeah. and I'm yeah. anxious sure, to see. I get that. I'm anxious to see if it shows up any other in the future. Like, are we going to revisit it? Because it's like, it's so pretty on the inside. It's just such a specific word. 
I don't think it is. We may see the Citadel again in Loki season two, maybe. And then we are jump scared by Miss Minute. Good God. Watching this in the pitch black dark at 5 a.m., I nearly jumped out of my skin. I mean, it was probably worth it. So innocent. So innocent here. I'm not saying she's innocent by (laughs) any means of the imagination. But I don't think she's truly... I mean, just like what Loki said, no one is truly evil or truly good. Um, And she is manipulating him hard. No, so... She oh, another great characteristic <laughs> for a, a very nice person. I mean, that's the thing. If Kang is giving, Kang is willing to change the timeline to help them out to keep the. Peace. Hey, Matthew, I'll make a bet with you. Okay, what's the bet? If Miss Minutes ends up being ultimately evil, like definitively evil, you have to give Miss Minutes tattoo. And if she ends up being definitively good, I'll give Miss Minutes tattoo. Deal. This is awesome. Deal. Keep it in. Uh, Keep it in. I'm good. I'm I'm fine with this being uh, a uh, absolute. We have to wait a year. We just have to wait a year to find out. Potentially (laughs) two. Who knows if she's gonna show up in the. We'll insert this clip in a future episode. No, I think <laughs> with, I think it's with some house. sort of recording of one of us getting a tattoo, like some sort of filming of oh god. <laughs> we'll be on our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Um, the cinematography in this episode is really cool. I really like mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and then um, the he who remains, which that name sounds a little familiar. I was going <laughs> to say always. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the um. I'm sorry, you get you get three Harry Potter nerds in a room. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's gonna happen when Miss Minutes is talking to Loki and Sylvie, and like, you can still rule Earth. Like, you can both be on the timeline. This, to me, like Loki's already changed, and while that may still feel like enticing to him, he's already like changed fundamentally, and I think Sylvie also has too. Um. They- like killing killing Thanos, I'm sure Thanos probably sounds really enticing, but I think this is just another example of people not thinking Loki is capable of change. Um, and so. I just see this as a I just see this as a fake offer, right? Yeah. Like, guys, Miss Minutes is evil for one. Two, um, if this is if this is even a possibility, if this is the sacred timeline, then he wouldn't have died in Infinity War, which is what they've told him is okay because Infinity War leads to Endgame and Endgame, even though there is time travel, is part of the sacred timeline. So again, that means that the Tesseract falling at his feet would be part of the sacred timeline as well, getting him to this point. Exactly. Like the whole idea though is that it can't go back. Like it can't, that's not an offer. Because otherwise when they do meet He Who Remains, that would have been another like another stack they would have had to almost say oh you broke the variant you broke the timeline again i don't think so because he can change the timeline though he except for the end what's going to happen so he can change so if he if loki agreed to go back he would have changed the timeline to make it so that loki wouldn't be a variant and be able to do whatever he wanted but what happened to the other loki then he gets That's the thing. I think he would go back and Loki would not have died on that ship. I don't think. But, Loki but then would, he wouldn't have beat, he wouldn't have beat Thanos. 
but he would have the knowledge of his own death to prevent it. So he would be able to do something else to kill Thanos instead of lying in getting his neck snapped. He he has the upper hand in that case. Yes. And he knows what Infinity Stones he needs because he learned what each Infinity Stone color was so he would be able to find it a lot easier. Sylvie figures out that she can't hurt... Uh, I was about to call him he who must not be named. That's not his name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And her and Loki are very much still on guard. Because he knows what's going to happen. Yeah. So this brings back to the question, is there such thing as free will? Or is everything pre-planned for you? I think this is actually a concept that they actually, uh, they position in a a way that, I guess, if we go back to what Matthew was just saying about what he who remains rights. I actually think that's kind of what he ultimately offers them is free will is that he's the one that's controlling free will by figuring out a way to write something. So if his writing is free will and he hasn't written past that point, that is where free will exists. But like time, if it's harnessed, it can be controlled. Yeah. Controlled and manipulated. Um, and then Mobius goes to see Renslayer, um, more vibes, and then, um, we go to Renslayer. (laughs) Renslayer disappears and says, I need to find whoever's in charge, but the Tempads can't go to the Void. Although they can be used in the Void. I feel like there's probably another Kang somewhere that she's in cahoots with. He who remains has a Tempad. He has one in the void. Right, and then Mobius had one, too. Yeah, but Mobius had one, too. Right, I'm just saying, I think it can be used. You can't get into the void, but you can lock onto a point to get out of the void. Because he had his tin pad on him when he got pruned. Do we think he who remains was pruned? No, he created the TVA. Because he created Elias. He created Elias. He created so he's just been waiting there. Yes. Because he's at the edge of time. Right. What's past him is the start of the new time. The next Big Bang. So he's out of time just like the Void. That's why he doesn't age. He's been alive for eons and eons and eons. He's older than the Watcher, essentially, at this point. The Watcher and the Celestials and Ego and all of them. He can't, That Kang is technically the oldest living being at this time. We go to Fremont, Ohio in 2018, and we're in a school, and we see Renslayer. What's most important to me about this is she's a vice principal. She's not in control still. She still serves some, there's still someone higher. What's the Nexus event here, though? I don't think there was one. I think Kang just plucked her. Because she and Mobius were both taken by he who remains. So I think they were one of the first. And Renslayer is, like, super in denial about all of it. Mm-hmm. Because she's like, there has to be a purpose to what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. And he just throws the pin down from her old school. So she knows her past. She knows what has happened in her past. Because otherwise, why would she freak out about that pin when she sees it? So she knows. That's why I don't think she was. Or is it like, is it like jet skis? And his weird affiliation to jet skis. Like, is there something that primes them? 
hers was more of fear. Like, she knew it. His is more like he just wants to own one. Hers was, it seemed a lot more, she was running away from something, is what hers seemed like. Which I could be reading too far into that. But it is MCU, and you can't really read too far into something. Yeah. And the finale. Um, And the finale. Yeah. So there's a scene where uh, He Who Remains is explaining the multiversal war, and there's this little orb on his desk that's, like, morphing into... No, he's controlling it with his tempad. Yeah. He's making all those images. It reminds me of the intro to Black Panther a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you know, all the figures are kind of, like, In, you like, know... sand. Yeah. Sand, like, yeah. It reminds me of, um, Venom. Yes. She... Sarah hasn't seen Venom. I haven't either. It's on the Patreon list. It is really, really funny. I mean, Kate, you've seen Spider-Man 3, haven't you? Yeah. It's the same kind of vibe. Oh, I know, I know. I know, I've seen seen the original, yeah, so. I was just talking about, like, the black goo. I don't mean specifically the the putty stuff. Okay. Yeah. Got it, okay. Venom is really, really. Venom is funny. It's a lot funnier than a Marvel movie should be. He who remains basically is explaining that he weaponized Elias to end the multiverse war because he he created Elias from all of the energy from the multiversal war, which is smart. And he explains that the TVA was formed to keep everything straight, so that the other Kangs don't attack again. Because Kangs are always evil. There's never a good Kang until now. I think that if he's someone who has harnessed free will, that would be seen as a universally bad decision. So he has just figured out a way to remain. Um, But at the same time, it is also where, yes, I I agree, though, that for the most part, Kangs are universally in a fight against each other that creates mass chaos for everybody else, too. That's just putting, Mass Chaos is putting it lightly. Basically, the timeline is branching. Um, And there is a shot, I'm not sure if it's now or later, but there's a shot of B-15 and a couple of the other characters looking at the screen in the TVA where, like, you see all the... That's later. That's later. So, Loki and Sylvie start fighting because the timeline is over. Kang doesn't know, or he who remains... They they cross the threshold. Yeah. I was convinced when they started arguing that this was, like, their plan, his plan all along to get them to turn on each other. No. At this point, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He Question. The actor who plays He Who Remains King the Conqueror is Jonathan Majors. Where is he from? He is from Duncanville, Texas. He oh. graduated from Duncanville High School. He was in that uh, show on HBO, uh, the other t- uh, virtual reality thing with Oh, crap. I can't think of it right now. Uh, Love Country, Lovecraft. Fun fact, he's from the same area of uh, Texas that we all are from in Dallas-Fort Worth area. So he went to Duncanville High School, Cedar uh, Hill area. So he is one of us. He knows what Whataburger is. is. Yeah, Duncanville is far south Dallas. Right. Yeah. Um. But basically his, Jonathan Majors wants, is killing it, too. Yeah. He wants Loki and Sylvie to take over. And Loki is Loki is not having it. He's like, nope, this is 
this is not the vibe, Sylvie. We're not going to do that. And, and he asks Sylvie to pause and think, and she thinks it's a con. Yeah. yeah. And he says one of the because most again. heartbreaking things I've ever heard uttered out of Loki's mouth, which is because you can't trust and I can't be trusted. And it breaks my little silky loving heart. But at the same time, it's again, I mean, it's Miss Minute's fault with R- Ravona, Ramona, uh, Ravona Renslayer that like faked it in front of her, even though they shook hands and stuff like that. Like the fact that she was taken as a child, like, again, it's kind of the same question I had with when the Tesseract ended up at, at, at Loki's feet. Do we really think that Loki of any variant would just leave it there to protect that sacred timeline? I still don't believe that there's any world in reality where he would leave it. I think Loki was meant to take it. But then Infinity War and Endgame could have never happened. Yeah. So is all this stuff supposed to be happening actually in that little time frame? Is that actually Infinity War and Endgame are the end? And now we're starting this whole thing that's actually a prequel to those. Because that's the only way that that would work. Because we have to have Loki show up in Ragnarok and Ragnarok to happen in order for Endgame and Infinity War to happen on the sacred timeline. I think it still happens because when Tony Stark and... Ant-Man messed up with getting the Tesseract. Tony and Cap went to 1970s New Jersey, I think, to get the other Tesseract. So I think they but still But it's Thor. I How do you get still... Thor without Loki dying? No, I still think in the normal timeline, Loki stays... Because they got the Tesseract from a different place again. So I think they've corrected the timeline. We're looking Then why would this be a variant? Because he still messed up the timeline even for a split second. He still messed it up. I think that if they went back even further to get the Tesseract, then that would completely void this from even ever happening by that action, by getting the Tesseract at that point. It voids it. And so that's the whole thing is like, this whole concept, I still go back to, is like, I don't trust these people at all. And so I can understand why Sylvie doesn't trust them. I can understand that if it's within their actual nature to do this stuff, then Sylvie would ultimately do what she does, which is not take the option of uh, that he who remains offers, which is to let it be. But with normal time loop movies and stories, Loki would have disappeared every time. Exactly. So how did he show up in Ragnarok? I think because when they went back to 1970, they erased the other, the 2012 issue, they erased. So then the 2012 issue... Creates this show, and this show shouldn't exist. That's then Princess' dreams come true, and we get the silky kiss. Can we talk about how he tells her to stop, and the music for the scene is called Stop? Please. I love it. It's so good. It's great. Uh, <laughs> they finally he, kiss. I he, speaks, he speaks so gently to her the whole time, and it's just like, 
He loves her so much. Such a really interesting juxtaposition because Loki in previous iterations has been when he speaks, he kind of speaks kind of harshly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so interesting to hear him speak to Sylvie that he always speaks to her in such a gentle tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he knows, I think he talks to her that way because he wishes people would talk to him that way. It's a good All right, real question. Real question. Do we even think it's possible for the two of them to manage the TVA? No. Oh, of course not. No. I just, that's good. Why, why are we thinking that this is an actual offer? It's not. This minute, he who remains, all these people are not making realistic thoughts. Like, if they were the hiring manager, they would definitely not hire these two people to be the managing partners of the TVA. Miss Minutes is HR for the TVA. <laughs> and so we know that by that definition, Miss Minutes is probably evil because she fires <laughs> and fires people. And for some reason, her being the voice of He Who Remains believes that there is a possibility that these two people would be very qualified to run the TVA. I also think Bullshit. that He Who Remains is just tired and is like, you know what would be fun? Another multiversal war. Let's do it. He's just bored. I think he is. Because I think he, because he did say he's tired of protecting the timeline and he wants someone else to do it. Yeah. He's just a, he's just a glutton for chaos. I love the mania. He seems very manic. I love that about how Jonathan Majors portrays him. Uh, but at the same time, I also love the purple outfit. He looks fantastic in purple. You gotta have a great cloak. It reminded me a little bit of how... Maybe this is a weird jump, but in um, in Goblet of Fire, when you, we first meet Voldemort in his like full form, he says, and "Robe me." The cloak, the robe is like almost its own character. Yeah, a little bit. The way that it moves, and maybe that's dramatic to say, but that's like kind of what it reminded me of a little bit. The way that the way that he who remains just kind of like waltzes through a room. That apple is it definitely reminds- a paid actor. So Sylvie pushes Loki through the doorway to the TVA, and I refer to this little device as a coaster, because that's what it looks like to me. Um, She, like, uses the little coaster thing to open the door, and then stabs he who remains. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, the timeline breaks off into a million pieces. Because the one protector of it can't protect it anymore. And then Loki goes to find Mobius, and he looks up. And the statues are gone, except for one. The statues are all Kang. So a different Kang, an evil Kang, took over. And that's the end of Loki. Everyone is sad. Loki is sad. Sylvie is sad. Loki is horrified to find the Kang statue. It's very sad. And this is and the, yeah, and first, Mobius doesn't recognize him too because he's in a different TVA. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Yep. And a uh, funny thing that I saw. Uh, if you remember the um, receptionist that took Loki around, the one that didn't know what a fish was, is a hunter now. Oh, yeah, he's going to be a series. He's a series regular in season two. This is yeah, the first Disney hunter, Plus show that's in season two. I think it's like Hunter mm-hmm. D something. I don't remember his number, but he's a hunter now. But Kang's outfit, like part of his suit or part of his costume is from mongolia like 15th century another part is from like japan 16th and 
I think his shoes or something are like 17th century hmm. Italian or something. I love costume design. So he has a piece of costume from each century. That is I just a think great I don't remember. I, yeah, no, it's awesome. I just think it's also his how it moves on his body is very also mesmerizing. I think that's the way that like I can honestly when I like recall this even before like rewatching it, I just was like, yo, Jonathan Majors is the perfect cast, you know, because there are those moments where you're like, it's it's like the idea of like we talked about this um with uh Mephisto. If they don't cast the right Mephisto, we have been so primed to seeing Mephisto now that if it's not perfect, it's going to piss off a ton of people. Kane the Conqueror. You don't think we're going to see Mephisto? I don't think we I really kind of wish they went there in WandaVision, honestly. I, oh, I did too. I'm glad we didn't. Like, I did Mephisto, too. I think it would have been too easy to explain if it was Mephisto. I think that would have been too easy of an explanation that Mephisto was behind it all. Would have been too easy. No, I know. And I know that's not really necessarily what they were going for. I just... It would have been an interesting plot twist. Because Mephisto would be, like, I think a saga big bad. Not a movie big bad. Because he's literally... He is literally the Marvel devil. But I don't think he would be a big bad in just one thing. What do you think is going to happen in season two? Uh, Miss Phoenix is going to take over the world. <laughs> as long as there's no more jump scares. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see uh, Miss Minutes in season two because he who remains created her. I think it'll primarily focus on Loki trying to find Sylvie. Yeah. And probably. I really and think upright, the fact probably. that. Well, and I think that it'll be something where everyone else, or the uprising's happening at the same time, and he doesn't care. He's just trying to find her because he seems so one dimensional uh, in what he pursues. Like, he always kind of sets one goal, and he works towards that. And I think that that will still be something that reta- that he retains, even with this. But Sylvie's now the thing he's obsessed with. Yeah, so final thoughts on Loki? What are your final thoughts? My favorite show. I think it's the best. I think it's the best of all the uh, Marvel uh, TV shows. I know that y'all have talked about that. I kind of tried to save it till the end. I've been recently re-watching Doctor Who, or watching it for the first time let me take that back and i actually think that these the concepts of nexus events and in general time travel is so challenging because i think it kind of goes back to even some of the how does this work conversations that we've had throughout this recording um i think they did such a good job of that to make you kind of if there are loopholes because there are a couple obviously we've talked through a couple of them they aren't so annoying like I do think Ralph Boner's completely annoying, right? At the end of the day, the payoff was not as good as what it could have been. Um, And I say the same thing about how horrible Wyatt Russell made uh, what John Walker. I and like even just honestly, all the times that now Julia Louis Dreyfus has shown up, it's really just I'm not that curious because I don't really like John Walker, right? Like he's his evil outweighed it. However, you know anyone character... out there that likes John Walker, is that, that's the real no. question. No. Please write in to the mailbag. Uh, they need to hear this. But, um, no, I just think that's the whole thing about this is, like, every ancillary character I am actually still interested in. And that's what makes this show so well-rounded, and it makes me really excited 
about the fact that they're doing a season two. I don't feel like that's an evil. Um, it does seem like it's a big ask for them because the audience did respond so well. So kind of just hope they don't mess it up. And I think, frankly, I think binging it all in, you know, we, we binged it in probably two or three days. And I think it almost did us a disservice. I feel like it would, I wish I, I wish I had the suspense building between episodes. And I think it really, like, I miss consuming content the way that it's supposed to be consumed and kind of let your, let your fan theories run wild kind of media. I miss that. And I haven't had that in a really long time. So I'm excited to like catch up and get where everybody else is. I initially didn't think Loki stuck the landing. I, I think this was a, this was a big conversation early on um, about the Marvel shows, not feeling like they stuck the landing, like Kate alluded to some of the things didn't pay off. Um, but every time I've rewatched it, I've liked it more and more. Like, I feel like the going off of, you know, every stereotypical storyline of this is how you have to finish a story. You can't introduce a brand new character in the last chapter. I think the more I watch, have rewatched it, every time it gets better and it makes more sense. And it just gets me excited for where the MCU is going in these next few phases and, you know, February's around the corner. We just got another Quantum Mania trailer. Like, I'm just, I'm so excited to get to where we're, you know, kind, kind of caught up from how the pandemic shifted the, the phase four schedule. Um, you know, we're going to get caught up and be back kind of where we are supposed to be um, with the original planning. And so I'm just like, like I said, every time I rewatch it, it just gets better and it's more exciting and it it's clear that even the wrench that the pandemic threw into Kevin Feige's great plan, you know, mm -hmm. it may end up, you know, somehow being better with the shuffling that they've had to do. Although I am still upset that they were supposed to have America Chavez in Spider-Man had to write her out or something because of how they reshuffled Doctor Strange. I, I really like the TV shows because... A, they can put in a lot more mm -hmm. into them instead of trying to cram. They can cram, like, for WandaVision, they would have had to cut out a lot of it. For I don't think WandaVision would have worked as a movie. Or even, like, Falcon Winter Soldier would not have worked as a movie. Because they would have had to cut out a lot of stuff. I think more adaptations in the future are going to go the way of TV shows mm -hmm. and not... Because right. we have seen it time and time again with adaptations really selling itself short because like for example what if like what if would not be able to be a movie but no. we are getting a marvel zombies movie which i am really looking forward to all right so that is the end of loki week next week we will be covering hawkeye mm -hmm. which again another whiplash it'll be fun Thank you, Francis and Kate. We really appreciate y'all being here this week. Mm -hmm. And um, thanks for having yay. us. It's been a great time. I will be, yeah. we'll be back if you want to rewatch Loki. So for... yeah, um, we really appreciate appreciate y'all being here. Um, and come back anytime. Of course, we'd sure. love to. All right, we'll see y'all next time. Bye. 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 Bye.
If you'd like to send us any feedback or messages, you can follow us on Instagram at the fan club underscore podcast. Follow us on Twitter at fan club underscore podcast and chat with us over on reddit.com slash r slash fan club podcast. And don't forget to tune in every Marvel Monday. See you next time. Bye.